vibe with hardcore. I'm a scene in your face. It's like Dante's hell down here. Small fire, oppressive heat, as Colombian and Jamaican drug fiends once again transform the streets of L.A. into a slaughterhouse. Who the hell's in charge down here? The cops? Uh-uh. They're outmanned, outgunned, and incompetent. Mr. Mayor, on vacation in your home in Lake Tahoe, get off your butt, get down here, and declare martial law! Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, and it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and this is episode number 161. Joining me this week to talk about Predator 2 is Tyler Cardwell. Tyler, how are you? I'm good, and watching movies is my speciality. Yes. (laughs) Well done, sir. Uh, So... All right, so you had never seen Predator 2. Had you seen have you seen Predator prior to this? Yes. So okay. Predator was one of those movies that I like growing up where I was probably a little too young for my dad to have shown me Predator, but it was like the TV version and he would always, he was my dad was always really good about like, okay, let's just uh, turn away to another channel for a minute while the really gory stuff happens. Sure. And then he might give me a quick rundown. But yeah, I've seen yes, Predator was is was uh, a movie I've seen many times. And uh, I and I've seen Predators, the the movie that comes after this. I've seen okay, uh, you know, Alien versus Predator, both of those. I'm uh, sorry, but this was the only one Predator movie I have not seen, and until now. So, uh, thank you for for you know giving me the opportunity to have an excuse to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, d- is there any particular reason that this one skipped? I mean, it was 1990, so was it like uh, kind of a thing where just sort of the timing of it, and then it got kind of out of sight, out of mind for a while. Because it was, I, I, think so. I think Alien versus Predator wasn't until two thousand four. I think was the first one. So you're talking like a fourteen year gap between any sort of Predator right. movie. Right. I, I think it might have just been this weird combination of. I think maybe at some point my dad had kind of mentioned something. Oh yeah, Predator two is not. It's like not very good or whatever. Mm. So he, he he never showed it to me. And then by the time I'm in my own, uh, able to watch my you know, whatever movies I want. Uh, I never really circled back to it, maybe just because I had that negative uh, thought about it in the from the past. But sure. um, uh, with uh, and but with like Predators, I I think that's a great film. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I just kind of skipped over it and moved on. And I was like, you know what? I've I know that Alien versus Predator isn't going to be great, but I'll sit down to watch it and see. And you know, so I think I just kind of just skipped it and kind of forgot about it. Sure, and you know, it's kind of. Predator 2 is sort of a, a the redheaded stepchild of kind of the Predator movies in a lot of ways. And it's unfairly, I think, looked at as an inferior movie because it, it has the, the terrible distinction of having to follow Predator. And if you... 1987, Predator comes out and it is like the quintessential 80s action movie. It's got... Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, all in this. It's just, it's testosterone on film. It's just a bunch of beefy, sweaty men in the jungle fighting an alien. And like, how do you get more 80s action than that? And so then three years later, they make a sequel to it and it's no longer set in the jungle. So you're changing the setting. You don't have Arnold involved at all. He's not, and he's not, you know, he's not mentioned in any of the marketing. So the marketing, I can remember 
because this would have been, I would have been about nine, ten years old when, when Predator 2 was coming out. So I hadn't quite maybe seen Predator other than clips and sort of like the same thing where it was, it was kind of watching a TV version of it or something. Um, but I remember marketing for Predator 2 and I remember like conversations in school with, with other friends of mine and we were all, all of us were like, well, Predator, it doesn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who cares? You know, it's got, who's this other guy they got? You know, and, and I hadn't seen Lethal Weapon at the time. And so it was one of those that got passed over. I didn't see it for quite a few years after it came out. And, and I just think it's unfair because I think without Predator, Predator 2 on its own merits, pretty good movie. Like, it's not bad. It's a, it's a, a good early 90s B action movie. There's nothing wrong with that um, at all. In fact, it's better than a lot of early 90s action B movies. Uh, right. But it just, it has that distinction of it's got to follow Predator. It's got that two in the title. And so immediately everybody thinks it's it's superior, uh, supremely inferior. And I just, I don't think that's fair to the movie. And I don't think it's fair to Danny Glover either, um, who is surprisingly good in this. Um, and, and I shouldn't say surprisingly, but he is very, I, I like him in this quite a bit. Funny thing. So in 1987, he had an action movie that came out, Lethal Weapon. Uh, mm -hmm. And what's the, what's the big takeaway from Lethal Weapon with Danny Glover's character? He's too old for this. Yeah, exactly. Guess how much older than Arnold Schwarzenegger Danny Glover is? Oh, I didn't even think to uh, compare the two of them. Because, yeah, I was like, because in one of my little notes that I'd scribbled down, I was like, Danny Glover is decidedly not too old for this. Watch <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, what's the what's the what's the gap on that? Uh, not even a year. Danny Glover is, is was born in 1946, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was born in 1947. So when you think of, and that's the thing is like perception versus reality. When when you think of Danny Glover, you think of Murtaugh, and I'm too old for this. And he was a year older than Arnold Schwarzenegger was when he made Predator, doing that character. <laughs> And so then yeah. you get, you know, that gets in your head too when you're watching this. You're thinking, well, Danny Glover, he's quite a bit older. This movie's set 10 years in the future. But he's a good action star. He does a great job yeah, in this yeah. movie. Yeah, so, definitely. I was really, that was one thing I was surprised about. I was like, oh, yeah, this is because I, I kind of went into this without, you know, whatever. I tried to have as little preconceptions as possible and, you know, not, not watch any of the trailers, not mm -hmm. look up things going into it. And, uh, Danny Glover was one of the things I was real. I, I knew he was in it, but I didn't. I, I was surprised at how how action star uh, he he was, and I was really surprised. He was, he did a great job. Yeah, and I mean he's got obviously nobody's Arnold, right? Nobody looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but right, and Dan they didn't, and they didn't try to make it, Danny Glover isn't lifting a car so that way he can push it down a hill on right. a bunch of uh, you know, through the jungle like Arnold does, and you know, right. they have those those moments fortuitous uh feats of strength mm -hmm. they just don't try that. They, they go in a different direction with it which yeah. i appreciate i mean he's he is a tall guy he's probably i think he's like six two six three he's got a good uh look about him he's got an imposing figure but he just he they they utilized what his strengths are which is like this gruff nature that he's got and and his voice and like this this kind of no nonsense uh attitude that he has Right. Uh, Danny Glover is kind of one of those guys, especially that sort of late, mid to late 40s, early 50s. Danny Glover has that uh, he's got that like you don't mess with him. You know, he's the old man playing the young man's game. 
and you just don't you don't fool around yeah, with that. Cool. Yeah, he's been in it for a while. He's he's super experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you're and you're never quite sure exactly what he's going to do. Plus, you know, he's got like that old man strength, where mm-hmm. he doesn't look like it, but he could pick you up by by the scruff of your neck and just carry you around, and it wouldn't phase him at all. Like he's got that going for him. So, yeah, I I liked him. I liked the cast overall in this. I thought that um, you know, you you made the joke of uh, of your specialty, and uh, we got a Bill Paxton, um, who. Yeah. He is like 100% playing a character that you just want to punch in the face constantly. Um, yeah. Um, that was, yeah, the, 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 the few things that I knew about this movie going in was that Danny Glover was the star. And I knew that there was that like IMDb fun fact that Bill Paxton has been killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an alien. Yep. And so I, I know at some point Bill Paxton is going to show up, but, um, yeah, as soon as I saw him, I smiled, and <laughs> you know, I his character was totally that like sleazy kind of guy. But um, it, what I, I thought was really cool was like uh, when uh, Danny Glover gives him that that kind of like you know, hey, you gotta you know, we're not here to play, you know, uh, you gotta take this seriously. We're not messing around. This isn't some game. Yep. Um, and a speech, and you really start to kind of you know, he still acts kind of silly and. And he still has that same personality, but he totally like goes, okay. And gets in line and he like, he's totally a reliable character, which I was really surprised. And I thought that was a really cool, uh, p- portrayal of this kind of usually, you know, typically it's a sleazy character and you're happy to see him die. And I was, I was actually a little sad when, when Predator took him out. Yeah. Well, number one, it's Bill Paxton and his kind of charisma. He's just got that ability to, he's one of those few actors that I can watch play this type of character. And I still like him. Um, mm-hmm. like it, there are, there are actors that can play kind of bad guys and you still like them, right? Cause they have that magnetism, but Bill Paxton can play yeah. the annoying guy and you still like him. Cause it's just, it's Bill Paxton and he's just so great. And I like to like a lesser, I think a lesser movie or a lesser script would have had him somehow turn on, uh, on somebody. Right. And like do something. Yeah. Either, to Gary Busey's. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't go that route. I'm really happy that they didn't because you're right. He gets that speech and he's sort of, he's still being goofy. He's still cracking his jokes. But when it came down to it, the scene in the subway, he, while they build him up as his reputation of being a cowboy and being the one that sort of looks out for himself, it comes right down to it. He gets her and everyone else, um, his partner and everybody else off the train and goes after the predator himself. And I liked that because it sort of showed he he did actually listen to um, Danny Glover, and you know it was it was nice because uh, you're right I was a little sad that he that he bites it. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Gary Busey. I was a complete surprise to me because I you know like I said trying not to spoil myself going into it. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh hey, Gary Busey, this will be interesting. Yeah, and this was his first movie, I guess, after his major motorcycle accident he had in the late 80s um, where he took Mm -hmm. a couple years off and this was in that time period where like he showed up in Lethal Weapon and then he showed up in this and he was in Under Siege and like that's a pretty good three movie stretch of like I'm going to play the secondary character and sort of you know he's never this one he's a little bit closer to an anti-hero than he is necessarily a bad guy Um, yeah because he th- he feels like what he's doing is the right thing to do by everyone, not just sort of a selfish reason. Um, 
and he's kind of that government, uh, you know, shady government agent. But he was, I, I enjoyed him too. He's he's going full Gary Busey, and that's never a bad thing, um, in my opinion. Uh, I and kind of when I was looking at this movie from the perspective, when, when Gary Busey's team shows up, I was like, oh no, they total, they've seen Predator One. That's mm-hmm. they're they're coming in. They know what they're up against, or at least they have some idea of what they're up against, and they're trying to, you know, this is their cover. Uh, yeah. And so well, I, when, I was trying to kind of keep an eye, watch the movie from their perspective, kind of knowing that. And I was like, actually, like they have a they have a plan. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it they were they didn't make a dumb choice and go, oh, we got this. You know, police, this is our jurisdiction. We're just going to go run in with with revolvers and maybe some body armor that doesn't cover our shoulders or something. Right. Like and. They, they know they actually have like a solid plan. Like we know what we, we, we feel like we have a good grasp on predators capabilities. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have our level of technology that will assist us. And so they go in and you know, the, their plan ultimately fails, but I felt like they, it was like, they actually have a sensible plan. And uh, I was like, for a second, I thought it might actually work. <laughs> uh, but no, I know. I, I thought that, and I thought that was really good too. Like he yeah. was, Busey is still kind of a jerk, but, mm-hmm. but in the end, he, you know, he, he was doing what he thought was right. And I, I thought that was a great, that's how you write a good anti, you know, if you're doing an anti-hero or something character, that's how you write it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the strengths of the first Predator movie is that it doesn't try to do too much. It's just about this special ops team that gets dropped in the jungle and they got to fight an alien and they know nothing about it and we know nothing about it and right. it works. And what I liked there is now they, uh, the studio decides they want to make a sequel and they don't do it the next year. It's a couple years later. They sort of, uh, right. there's, there's this groundswell of like the alien versus predator comics had come out from dark horse, I think in like 88, 89. So there was a little more renewed interest in that. And what I liked was that they didn't just try to copycat the first movie. And they didn't even copycat the first movie in a different setting. They really tried to make a very different movie. They moved it from the jungle into the city. So they go to the concrete jungle, which I love the opening shot, by the way, that nice running shot of like that fake out. Yeah, that was great. And then they don't try to replicate with like a special forces team or anything like that. They've got, and, and so there's some, there's some good world building going on too with, with that uh, that character, the Peter Keys character and his team, like you said, they've they know the the events of Predator One. There is a a scene where they explain, hey, this happened in the jungle and and blah blah blah. We've done this. If you looked, uh, if you watch it again and you look at the screens, you see um, uh, I can't think of her name from the first the, movie. The footage, or, yeah, uh, what's her name from the first movie? Who, yeah, she got to the chopper. And I guess uh, so initially. The uh, there was actually going to be scenes with Dutch um, in a hospital, and he had uh, he was recovering from like radi- severe radiation from the fallout of the explosion at the end of the first movie. And they interviewed him, and they interviewed her, and then like I guess something with Dutch disappearing from the hospital and escaping um, or whatever. But Arnold didn't want to do the movie. There's varying accounts. If you read online why Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't in Predator 2, you get everything from he wanted uh, his contract 
stipulated that he get another $250,000 that Fox didn't want to pay him to he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to push back filming of Kindergarten Cop. Like, there's everything and anything. So that was it. But, like, I liked that they worked that in at least a little bit and expand on things. So now you've got the government sort of knows about predators, uh, at least in some ways. But they also don't over explain that and they don't give us too much like at one point they're like well we're we we believe they see in the infrared spectrum and only that it's like how would you know that at all like what information would you have that could base that but they've obviously done some kind of research right but i like that world building i like that kind of stuff and starting to bring in not only the predator as an antagonist but now you've got a, a human antagonist that doesn't feel forced um because it's not just an antagonist. Like you said, there there's this kernel of like they they believe they're trying to help humanity and they're not overly stupid in the way they go about it. They're really taking their time. They're trying to set up a trap. They're trying to use whatever tricks they can that they yeah, think. Yeah, they're setting up these little beacon things all around the city. and Yeah. Yeah, like it's curious. I'd be curious to know in the story how they tracked it to L.A., how they knew like where he was going in and out because they just sort of show up on a chopper and, and know all of this already. Yeah. But, but again, that's like backstory that we don't need for the events of this movie. It's just more of that world building that you feel like a tie in comic would, would probably touch on or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah Busey, Busey's great in it. And he also gets probably the most gruesome death. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and so this, the the NC seventeen rating had started. I want to say it was nineteen ninety, maybe eighty nine, something like that. And this was an early movie that actually originally was rated NC seventeen. It had to get cut down to an R. Um, and I guess one of the main scenes for that was Gary Busey's character's death, so the death of Peter Keys. Okay. In the original cut, you because it's really iconic now when I watch it where it's that shot of the the smart disc and it's going through the sides of beef and then all you see is his legs and they just drop and all that blood comes out but i guess in the original cut you actually saw him like get cut in half against a pillar and like the upper Mm. half of him still there while the legs fall away and that the mpa was like "Uh -uh, you ain't ain't showing that um but yeah i like i mean there's in a brutal movie uh, that's a pretty, like, extremely brutal death that he goes through. So, um, but yeah, I liked his character uh, quite a bit. I kind of almost wish we would have gotten more. It, the the movie didn't need to be longer, but I but at the same time, like, I want to know more about what was going on with him and his men because we really only know yeah. him and Adam Baldwin. Right, very young Adam Baldwin who <laughs> looks like he's twelve. In yeah, I know he looks so young. Um. But yeah, I just, they were good. Ruben Blades as Danny um, was, it's a bummer because every time I watch the movie, and I've seen it a few times now, and mm-hmm. always when he goes into the building, uh, I'm like, oh, this is a scene where Danny bites it. And that bums me out because I love Ruben Blades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of, yeah, I, when, he, when he bit it, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was, he, was, he was doing a good job. He was a good friend. And, he was. He no, was, and and him, and then Maria Conchita Alonso, um, who is the other member of the team, yeah. uh, who has a subplot that kind of never really gets resolved. They just sort of 
was like, oh, and she's pregnant, and now we're not going to see her for the rest of the movie. Like, it yeah, kinda... I was curious about that. Miss something like I was like waiting for her to show up again. I was like, you know, oh, oh she's pregnant. You know, there's two heartbeats. There's, she's she's pregnant, and I'm like, oh, okay, where is that going to go? That's <laughs> and then they just kind of she's not in the movie anymore. But I was interested. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer to have like a plot thread that's that's that it's seemingly that important and just doesn't go anywhere. Um, but you know, in a movie like this, does it does it really matter? No, but it would have been nice to see her show up again in some in some I, I, manner. I'm really interested, like in the when you're editing this movie and you have that scene, and I guess maybe if you just didn't have another take where they didn't, you know, like why would you keep that keep that in? If you know it's not gonna, if you if it is not gonna go anywhere, like I don't know, just kind of a weird choice. Well, I will Maybe. say the movie does so. In the first Predator, if you remember correctly, the Predator doesn't kill. Um, I can't think of her character name. Is it Maria? No, but it's something like that. Uh, um, yeah, doesn't uh, kill her because she's unarmed, right? And that's right. Arnold realizes that and sort of uses that knowledge. And I think what they were doing is kind of expanding on that because they have the scene in the cemetery where the kid comes up to him and he's got the fake, the plastic Uzi Mm. and he doesn't kill the child in part because he can kind of tell it's not a real weapon. Um, And I think that that was sort of that it's sort of that, again, that world building of like setting up that the predators don't just kill indiscriminately. And the fact that she was pregnant is sort of one of those where it's like, well, that unborn child can't defend itself. I'm not, you know, he because he only killed uh, for the most part anybody that was threatened, uh, threatening him. Right. It's the, the yeah. drug dealers, the the bad people, even on the train. The only ones he goes after are all the ones that pull guns. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's where they were going with it, I'm pretty sure. But I just wish they could have would have followed that up, but at least given us some sort of resolution for her character. Like because apparently Harrigan didn't know that Danny Glover. Um, at right. the time, because when he sees her and there's some mention of, you know, the fetal heartbeat or whatever, and he, he looks really confused. So like he didn't know. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of those dangling plot threads that like, it, does it need to be resolved? No, but at the same time, I want it. I want I want that resolved at least yeah, a little sure. bit. Give us something else. Just a little scene to follow up on it. Um, and, it, and, and I was kind of, one of my notes in watching the movie towards the end when, uh, uh, he's he's climbing down the building, and uh, I think I looked it up at that point where it's like, oh, I guess he has a fear of uh, Danny Glover's character has a fear of heights, but I feel like they didn't never really uh, set that up, uh, or at least maybe, or maybe I missed it. But I was like, oh, okay, he has he has a fear of heights apparently. Yeah, so they did, but they didn't follow it through very well in the very beginning. If you remember, when he gets up on the roof with the Scorpio, yeah. When he, after the score, after Scorpio goes over the edge, when he shoots him and he goes up to the edge to look, that's supposed to be the scene that sets up that he has a fear of heights because he, he never goes fully to the edge and he's always, he's real skittish about it. And then when Danny comes up, Ruben blades and Danny's like squatting down right at the edge of the building and you kind of, you get Harrigan in the background sort of squirming and like, "Eh, can I get off this roof now? I don't want to be up here, but it, it was, I feel like. I feel like after that scene, we don't really get the the sense that he has the fear of heights. Sure, um, sure. Because even even with the way he is climbing down the the side of that building and everything, to me, 
plays a lot more like just somebody who's like, this is insane that I'm climbing down a pipe on the side of this gigantic building rather than somebody with a fear of heights doing that. Right. So, and, and maybe that, maybe, you know, uh, maybe Danny Glover is just being too good of an actor and, and just kind of playing it more subtle for that first scene. And then, uh, like you said, the, the, the climbing down a pipe, I feel like anybody would be, he, he was acting like anybody who was totally fine with heights. Yeah. Uh, just the, the normal uh, pressure of climbing down a pipe that's not meant to hold a human being. Kind of yeah. Thing, so. I, I almost feel like to really hammer home that fear of heights thing, he should have had some sort of uh, more of a hesitation, more of like a, uh, a panic moment while he's hanging on the side of that building before he's able to, to really do it. And they just didn't play that up enough. Um, all we got yeah. is like, I hate the birds. Why, why the birds? Right. Thing. It's like, did he, have, does he have a bird phobia? And I think I, I tell, <laughs> that's what I'm like, wait, was he supposed to have a bird phobia or something? And then, Oh no, it's a fear of heights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and even, even small characters in this, um, had some fun actors playing them. Robert Davi as the, uh, deputy chief. I mean, if you need somebody that can like yell very, uh, very pointedly at somebody, Robert Davi is really good at that. Like that whole, that whole scene where they're standing there yelling at each other on the street you've got a Lieutenant and the deputy chief and they're just like, nose to nose screaming at each other it, it, it's like robert davi is one of those actors that you have in that scene because he's just so good right. at that he his diction is always so crisp that he can he can yell those things out that's why he was great in um doing it in oh what was it uh die hard uh which mm-hmm. he's only in a very small amount but like everything you see him in he's he's able to pull that off and that was a fun Fun moment. I also like that his captain was one of the stars of Adam Twelve. Yeah, yeah. I was like, do I recognize this guy from something? And then I, when I looked him up, oh, Adam Twelve. Guy. Okay, he's the. Yeah, that, that that was a really cool little. I, I don't know. I, maybe in, in my head canon now, Adam Twelve is a predator. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, takes have, a, it's the same L.A. Um, yeah. What's funny is that I remember him from uh, Farscape. He played. Uh, Jack Crichton, which was um, John Crichton's dad. So anytime okay. that that character would show up, and he was it, that was only uh, a few years later, so he sort of was in the same age range. So when I was watching right, it this right. time, I'm like, man, why does he look so familiar? And it's because I I watched Farscape recently, so I saw him in that, and now I'm seeing him in this movie, and it's like that's that's why. Okay, um, and he's yes. only in a couple of scenes, but they're fun. Uh, I mean, he he what I kind of liked was that he wasn't like the, he wasn't the stereotypical captain yelling at his, uh, loose cannon detective. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could kind of tell that he had, he had Danny Glover's back a little bit. Although fun little piece of trivia, the Sergeant at the beginning in that opening scene, the one that's like, Hey, you can't go in there. Uh, you know, what's his name's on the way. Uh, that guy yeah. is the actor who played Murtaugh's captain in all of the lethal weapon movies. Oh, nice. So nice little, uh, nice little moment there where he's playing the sergeant instead. I liked that. Um, this is, so the cast is really good in this. uh, I feel like in, in any different way, right? Like Maria Conchita Alonso is playing the, the rough, no nonsense female cop that kind of has to be in this environment. Like she doesn't take anything from anyone. I love sort of the introduction to her where, You've got 
you've got Bill Paxson trying to do his uh, his used car salesman thing, and he's trying to he's trying to get her with all his jokes and all that, and she's she's playing along, she's laughing at it, but then you know gives him the old Denver jockstrap and like calms him right down. <laughs> um, yeah, but she's great. I again, I would just wish they'd gone. Uh, I almost wanted more of her too. Like it, it's weird. I want more interaction with that that group, that group of four. Um, yeah, yeah, two, yeah. But then I also want more with the with the government people, and it's like I almost need two different movies from told from each perspective. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Or like if you wanted, you know, I, I, they'll never do this, but a like um, a TV miniseries where you can spread it over, out over ten episodes. Mm-hmm. You have like ten hours, and you have you know two or three episodes with the the the. The, your police team, two or three episodes with the uh, the the government team, and then you know maybe one episode of like how the alien actually got to the planet, you know how the predator actually lands and discovers yeah. L.A. or something. And then you kind of bring the threads together at the end, and everything culminates. That would work. Uh, I I feel like that would work with a lot of, especially I find sci-fi to really work in that sort of not feature length, but not. Uh, 22 episode season that 10 to 13 episodes where you can do your world building and you can have all your little bits of extra stuff that sort of make the sci-fi world feel more real um yeah but but it doesn't have to necessarily it doesn't have to be an ongoing thing necessarily um and and it sort of brings me back to like sci-fi always i felt like worked great with short stories and novellas um as well as novels and so it's sort of Mm -hmm. the same idea right like uh, yeah, a novel would be your full length series, whereas you can have this short series of and sci fi just works for that for some reason. Um, but yeah, it, you had uh, I, I like too how it was um, <laughs> in the far future of 1997, um, right? <laughs> and I, I do feel like that was only done to give it a 10 year gap from the first movie because they never time stamped the first movie, um, it's just sort right. of now and then. It's a bummer. It is a bummer when movies do that when they set a date that is too that is close enough that we could get there because, you know, it, we we're just we're gonna get to that point. We're gonna see it and then whatever. But they didn't try to make like any sort of drastic changes to sort of um, what things looked like in LA in nineteen ninety seven. Right. Is it uh, is it a drastic change from what it felt like? Probably. I mean, I don't think there was quite that much gang war going on in '97. Right. Right. Because <laughs> uh, it took me a minute to realize. Oh yeah, they're in the future. Uh, the, the gang war thing is kind of built up, uh, and that also explained the why the this movie was brought to you, brought to us by the uh, arbitrary firearm attachment guild, where everybody just has lasers on their guns. Yes. And we actually use the laser. It, it took me a, a little bit like, wait, why does Danny Glover have this? Is that a, is that a sight on the top of his gun? And why does he have it on the top of his gun? Because there's desert Eagle has a little rail on the bottom. Uh, like, I don't know why it's on the top and obscuring the regular sights. And everybody has lasers on their guns, yep. but nobody actually uses them. Um, but, so I guess that's a future, you know, in the future, cops get, get get more lasers for their guns. Yeah, definitely. You always have to have things attached to it and, like, modified, right? So, like, the shotgun that he was carrying, was it also had, like, a laser sight on the top of it. like a And, and I have, I have uh, fired weapons with that type of sight on it. It is actually an upper um, – it was a red dot. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it, 
they definitely it gives them some leeway to play with that a little bit. But I like that they didn't have like crazy few trying to make crazy different looking vehicles or anything. He's driving like an eighty eight Caprice. Yeah, all the cars are old and and beat up. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, there was no that was really futuristic other than Predator technology. Yeah, um, which so okay, so we got to talk about the Predator itself because um, it's Stan Winston. Uh, workshops did this predator. They also did the first predator. Um, right. What was cool was they had more time to make this one. Uh, the the budget was roughly the same, I believe, but um, the amount of time they had to prep was longer than what they had the first time around. So they could make some some adjustments and all of that good stuff. And they did. So like they had. Uh, they had sort of like the the suit that Kevin Peter Hall would wear to move around in and the stunt suit, and then they would have one without the mask, and then they'd have the the one for the close-ups that articulated even more. Right. Um, but they, they also got to play around with and do some of the stuff that they had done concept-wise in the first movie that never got around to with weaponry. Um, right. The, the smart disc, but also the extendable uh, spear that he had, um, which I guess actually was two different spears because they had one that was fully contracted and then one stage out. And then they had another one that was a stage out and then fully extended. And so they would have to get okay. creative with like cuts and, and the way they would block scenes. So like they could Extension have, yeah. yeah, they'd either cut away or they'd have to like move it out of frame. So a, a production assistant could like grab it and hand the other one to him real quick, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I liked that too, because it, what it made it feel like was, it didn't feel like a retread of the same predator either. We had yeah. some 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 similar technology, but some different technology, and he he had a different feel about him than the first one. Um, and it, even though it's the same actor, it's Kevin Peter Hall in both, uh, but he played him a little bit differently, and he moved a little differently in the city than he did in the jungle, kind of stuff. And like, I like that because yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, it, it brings more. Uh, again, more of that difference that we were talking about where they weren't just trying to make the same movie again. They actually tried to do something new and tried to do something different. And I appreciate that more than anything. Um, even though the movie itself was not a critical or a financial success, um, and it's a bummer for that, I'm, I would rather we get this, which can become a cult classic, and be appreciated later on for what it did rather than just being a sequel that made some money, but ultimately no one cares about in 10 years. You know, yeah. I look at this. And, and you can, yeah, sorry. Oh. Uh, and you can tell that they, uh, like when we get to Alien versus Predator, they, it, it, seems, it feels like they lift some elements from Predator 2, mm -hmm. uh, where you have the human who to kind of, uh, it's a little different with in the predator, predator, Alien versus Predator, where the the human and the Predator team up and they're fighting side by side. But you do have that moment of the, the end with the Predator and the the warrior human in both movies. It gets the kind of you know uh, like yeah, uh, okay, you did pretty good. You know, you're pretty good for a human kind of kind yeah. of handoff of like you know, they they kind of lift that for predator, Alien versus Predator. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, there's those little elements like that where, um, I, and I wanted to, I wanted to know what happens to like, does Denny Glover get to be the, the head of the new alien, uh, predator hunting team like now, because he's the most experienced person. Yeah. But then, uh, <laughs> uh, 
young Adam Baldwin just goes, oh, he's dead? Okay, bye. He leaves. He's not I'm not going to follow that up with anything. Right. We were so close and then runs away. Like it was, it was kind of silly. I I do like, so you talk about how they, they set stuff up. So the alien versus predator comics had been around at least a year prior to this movie coming out. And I know that some of um, like the, there's a particular Easter egg in this movie that for whatever reason, I forget sometimes that the comic predated the movie and so i always thought that about the comic. Yeah. so maybe this ending that i just said was lifted from predator 2 was probably from the comic and they just you know i'm not point. it's hard to say like it's sort of a chicken and egg thing because the comic was around and that's what made the stan winston guys craft and um model and a xenomorph skull and put it on this in the ship in this movie as just sort of like right. a Hey, they got the comics. Those are fun here. We'll do this. And it's both franchises are owned by Fox. So it's easy enough that they can do that. But for some reason, for a long time, I always thought that this movie was the impetus for the alien versus predator comic when it's kind of the other way around, but sort of not like there's the scene at the end you were talking about, which by the way, was one of the more expensive scenes to film uh, with all those predators because they had to make all those costumes and then right. get a bunch of the L.A. Lakers at the time to wear them and walk around because they need a bunch of tall people. Um, and uh, But that whole scene, with the way it ends, it's sort of there's like that nod of respect, right? Like it's the, the predators all show up, and then one by one they start walking away, and the old predator just kind of gives them the nods like, yep, all right, you're cool, here, and throws them the, the flintlock pistol. Um, right which fed into there was a comic then that came on later that gave a backstory to that pistol and the name that's engraved on it and where where that predator got the pistol which I thought was kind of cool he was a the was I I'm trying to I never read it but I read about it like he was a pirate and oh. he got he got uh, part of a mutiny and somehow or another he and the predator worked together and so mm-hmm. that was like where that pistol came from but it, it sort of cycles right because then the, the comics helped uh, inform the movie, and then the movie helped to kind of push the comic stuff and the lore even further. And uh, we end up with the Alien vs. Predator movies, which, I don't know, I guess good or bad, I'm not sure. Um, um, and uh, doing research for this, uh, apparently they're making, or it's they've made, and it's going to come out this summer, the uh, a prequel uh, called Prey oh, that yeah. is... Uh, you know, it's supposed to take take place in seventeen seventy whatever that was on the date of that pistol. Oh, okay. And so I, I, people are thinking it's going to connect to that, that pistol plot line. So hmm. it's even more circular at this point. Yeah, I forgot that they were doing prey because I know the Predator came out a couple years ago, and again, sort of, I have to see it still, but I guess it it there's parts. There, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. I've heard some people say yeah, it's fine, and other people deride it as being the worst of the franchise. Um, I kind of want to see that. I I watched it once and I can't remember a lot of the things. (laughs) Like I can't remember a lot of the specific details. Um, There, there, you know, there's some stuff where it's like, Oh, uh, apparently Schwarzenegger was supposed to do a cameo and then had, you couldn't make it for whatever reason. And so, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. That would have been cool to see, you know, Schwarzenegger because they had like a scene where it's like oh that totally would have been Schwarzenegger if, yeah uh, he would make it kind of a thing um, but uh, it wasn't that bad it wasn't 
great. Um, I don't know. I still, for me, my, my, my top two are predator and then predators. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, to figure out um, what mood I'm in for what what movies number three in the franchise of the Predator. So. Yeah, I I think Predators is. Uh, I really enjoyed that because again they they sort of did this hybrid of trying something new by dropping people yeah. on the Predator planet and going that route, but also bringing it back to sort of a feel of that first movie. In, yeah. in a way, yeah. but not just a carbon copy of it, right? This isn't a, an elite team of people. It's a bunch of individuals that have to work together. So I kind of enjoyed yeah. that too. Um, it's hard to say if I, um, I... I'm not sure if I like Predators more than two or not. It's it's I sort of put them kind of on the same keel because I really do like Predator 2 quite a bit. They, they, they all fall below the first Predator. That's, that's like a whole... Yeah, it's like I love Back to the Future two and three. I, I enjoy them quite a bit. I think three is highly underrated, um, but mm-hmm. none of them touch the first Back to the Future. Like that movie is is in yeah, its, its own definitely. class. Um, I just think that I think that Predator two is often cited as a terrible sequel, and it's not a terrible sequel. It's actually a very good sequel. Um, I am an apologist or uh, a defender of Ghostbusters two. I don't hate Ghostbusters two. It's just that mm-hmm. it had to follow Ghostbusters and like how right. do you that's like that's like being a blues guitarist and you gotta follow BB King on stage. Like that's not fair. You can't top that. Right. So yeah. these movies aren't like Ghostbusters two and Predator Two aren't bad movies. They just there's no way they can live up to their predecessor and Exactly. And and I'll I'll be an apologist for the uh the Ghostbusters remake, the all female remake. Like I thought that was a pretty good oh, movie I and I, I liked it too enjoyed I really enjoyed it that, that ride uh and I kind of wish they made more of those and I also liked uh, Terminator Salvation like I thought that was a great thing so I mean maybe I just have bad taste in movies or something but Terminator Salvation I didn't hate um I think my problem with Terminator Salvation was so much of it was given away in the trailers before I saw it yeah that... that's what every Every Terminator movie has done that, though. Like, if you watch the trailer for any of the Terminators, they give away the the art. They give away the the T two reveal. They give away all of them in the in the trailers. They do. There's just there was something about it in Terminator Salvation that annoyed me because it felt like it took something away from the movie. Like, if you oh, know, totally if you know, going into T two by this point, everybody, it's it's fairly common knowledge that Arnold isn't the bad guy in T two. But it doesn't take right. away from that movie. But there was something missing from Terminator Salvation for me because that got oh, definitely. revealed well, too early. The whole time I was like, "Oh, I know he's a he's a ter- he's a yes. he's a robot." Yeah, I just knew it the entire time sitting in the theater. So yeah, no, I totally agree. But I, I wish they made a sequel to Terminator Salvation, like <laughs> they planned to. Would be nice. But one of the things with uh, again with Predator Two that that I think it's this perfect for me, this right mix of, of elements from the first movie. Cause they brought back a lot of the music, a lot of James Horner's music from the first movie and would yeah, reuse that, it and recycle uh, that. Um, but that also didn't feel cheap to me. Right. Like right. that moment just will, drop. Yeah. yeah. Like they would use it at the right moment. Like when he goes to the cemetery to, to visit Danny's grave, it's the same music that played when Mac is reminiscing over Blaine's body. 
and mm-hmm. like it just it fit the moment right and and i like the predator uh the theme and just the the music that they use so i, I enjoy hearing that again i just think I, th- I feel like this is an underseen and underappreciated movie and i'm glad that you saw it and it's uh, and, and i'm glad that you enjoyed it too um, yeah yeah because i just feel like i feel like sometimes we look at sequels which are you know sequels in are a mixed bag Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. I feel like there's too many times, much like a remake, where a sequel isn't needed, um, and it's just done as a cash grab. It's it's a business decision to make uh, to do a remake or to do a sequel. This felt less like a we're just going to make a sequel because Predator was super popular, and more of a well, we've got an idea of a way we want to expand on things, and um, those are the types of sequels that I like because. Predator on its own, sort of like Terminator, honestly. The way that I feel about, uh, and I talked about this when I had um, Steven Adams on talking about Terminator, the first Terminator way back, is Terminator itself didn't need a sequel. It was a wonderfully self-contained little story. Yeah. And T2 expanded on that and went in some different directions and did something new with it, and so it worked, right? Alien doesn't need a sequel. But Aliens is a great sequel to that because it didn't try to remake and re- rehash what had already been done. And I feel like this is another case of that because they did do some new stuff with it and they brought in some new elements to it. And they had not just Predator as a bad guy, but other, um, you know, all the the gangs and, and uh, King Willie and, and all of that where interesting stuff that you can go with. Um, yeah. Yeah, I and like you said, it's it's totally a mixed bag of where in a sequel you want to have the some of the familiar stuff, but you also you you want to go in a new direction because you don't want to have you don't want to have just a straight up remake of the first movie. There's no point in that. Yeah. But you also you know if you tried to make a a sequel to the first Iron Man and you go okay, well in this movie, uh, Tony Stark's never actually going to get into the armor <laughs> because we did that already in the first one. So let's go in a new direction. You'd be, it'd be a terrible, that'd be a terrible choice too. So mm-hmm. it's tough. You, it, you know, there's, there's, it's hard to kind of thread that, that middle ground. It really is. Now it, this movie was helped by the fact that it had the same screenwriters as the first movie. So they knew the material well enough and they could kind of play around with it without going too far in a different direction. Another example where it doesn't work was actually um, Highlander, right? So the first mm-hmm. Highlander movie wraps everything up, doesn't need a sequel. Right. Um, and, and I do I mean, a show. It closes all the doors. Yeah. It, I, yeah I, there's no way the sequel to Highlander. But exactly. It somehow. Well, and TV show. I have a whole podcast talking about the TV show and how much I enjoy that. Um, yeah. But like they didn't need a sequel and the sequel movie, they tried to go in a different direction, but they way overcorrected. They went so far mm-hmm. in a different direction that people were like, what am I even watching? What does this have to do with what we saw a few years ago? So it's like there's a balancing act involved in that. Um, and sometimes you have to have a, a same director or a different director. I think a part of Predator 2 that that isn't as good is the direction. Stephen Hopkins, who directed this, is not a bad director. But the first movie had John McTiernan, who's honestly one of the better action film directors of his generation. I mean, when you look at... He did... It consecutively, uh, Predator, Die Hard, and The Hunt for Red October. He throws in stuff like, um, uh, was it, um, not Missionary Man, 
the one with Sean Connery. Um, I can't think of it. Medicine Man. Man was okay. His. Uh, the Thomas Crown Affair was John McTiernan. Uh, a movie that I love called Basic that he did. It was actually his last film before uh, his oh. legal his legal troubles. Um, but Last Action Hero, like John McTiernan knows uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. He knows how to direct action, and mm-hmm. so you you have a little bit of a step down when you go to to anybody else, really. Um, but Stephen Hopkins right. just doesn't and, quite have that pedigree. And I did notice that that change where uh, Predator is, is it's got the action elements, but also it takes time. There's a lot of time where there's they build the ten, the tension really well. Where you got the you got the crew in the jungle and somebody says stop, and they, you're just you got you know like thirty seconds of staring at jungle footage, and to the point where you're almost as the viewer you're like, wait, was that? I think I see a predator. Is, is there an outline over there? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure they never did. They just showed empty footage, you know, foliage oh, yeah. and stuff. Of you know, there's your your brain starts playing tricks on you, and then Predator Two comes around and it's shot more of a straight up slasher kind of you know you could put a Freddy or a Jason in mm. in the in a lot of these scenes instead of the alien Predator. Yeah, and you'd have a lot of the same kind of thing, and it just it's a different style, and I was. You know, I was like, okay, I'm just accepting that it's a different style and I'm going to move on from that topic. But Fun- uh, I, it was definitely noticeable for me. Funny you say it that way because the movie Stephen Hopkins did before this was um, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, I think was yeah, the one I he noticed, did. I, 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 yeah, I saw that kind of little fun fact kind of thing. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. That he, yeah. He's done slash movies and yep. that's, where, that's where he's coming from. So he's he's coming from that horror background, whereas McTiernan is very entrenched in the action, and right. and McTiernan also has this ability to like frame things in such a way, like he he loves his um, widescreen format, you know, his two point three five mm-hmm. to one format, and utilizing that whole frame and really really pushing one way one side or the other, kind of the way the frame is to draw your eye there, which right. I I think. Again, it's not Stephen Hopkins is good. There's nothing poor about his direction. It's just a different style of direction. So, you know, you have you have that. So you, the marketing for this movie didn't have. You can't say McTiernan's directing it, who was a hot commodity at the time. He was coming off of, of Die Hard. Um, mm-hmm. You can't say you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. All you can say is it's Predator and it takes place in the city. And so it's sort of almost doomed it to fail. Unfortunately. In, in a lot of ways. And it, it's just, it's a bummer because I, I just feel like this movie deserves more love than it gets. Um, yeah, definitely. But it's a ton of fun. And I think the other thing is it has the same screenwriters, but it doesn't have nearly as many quotable lines as the first Predator had right. either. And I don't know how yeah. much of that was Arnold kind of because of his sensibilities of wanting humor and sort of putting in those quippy one-liners. Uh, and, and you had... You also had Shane Black in the first movie kind of punching the script up a little bit. And you get all those guys. I mean, you put all those giant, beefy alpha males together, there's going to be competition. So you've got a pro wrestler in Jesse Ventura, who I'm sure is ad-libbing some stuff. Carl Weathers is, it's Apollo Creed. Of course he's going to ad-lib some stuff and come up with some good lines. Bill Duke, like all of that. You don't have that in this movie. There's still some fun lines, but... It's it, it it relied more on kind of uh, some visuals, some more horror elements to it, and an interplay um, in just a different way than the first movie did. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah, there's no, uh, there's, there's a, there's no, uh, I ain't got time to bleed. Yes, exactly. Oh, still so good. Um, but we do have a couple of fun lines. I actually captured a few things I kind of want to play. Um, so I mentioned how the, the sergeant at the beginning was the captain from uh, lethal weapon and they, they have the, the fun little exchange as he's going up to go into the building where Scorpio is. Um, they're going to go after him because they just had this huge shootout, which I love the opening too. I like how they jump mm-hmm. right into the action in this. There's no, cause yeah. that was, again, the first predator is a slow burn for an hour and a half mm-hmm. long movie. It takes its time setting everything up and then, you know, it kind of ramps up and the action gets faster and faster. This one was like, we're jumping right into it. You're getting a shootout on the streets of LA right away. Um, but then, uh, detective Herring, uh, Harrigan, Harrigan. Yes. Harrigan. Yes. Um, is running into the building and the, the sergeant tries to stop him and they have this little exchange. Can't let you in there. is on his way here. Hey, Heineman, you kiss my sweet ass. Come on. I wonder how many times Adam Savage played that on the set of Mythbusters for Jamie. Because if it wasn't like daily, then he's doing something wrong. Doing something wrong, yeah. <laughs> Chief Heineman. Uh it was great. Uh, I, I had to get this because I don't know why this just made me chuckle, uh, the way this guy said this. Come and get it! The Scorpio is ready! After he just had a, a face full of cocaine out of what looked like a golden scarab or something. Yeah. I don't know what that was. Like a whole other movie there that we didn't get to see. <laughs> it really was. Um I love so Ruben Blades again. I I mentioned how much I like him, but there's just something like that guy just oozes cool. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just his voice and the way the way his English is, um, but I loved when after uh, she grabs Bill Paxton by the junk, and he's like half bent over, and he comes out of the office and he tells him this. Why don't you limp your way in and go see the lieutenant? It's just the way he delivered that one. You limp your way in there. Uh, cracked me up. Um, I also, later on when the when he's going to meet King Willie finally, and the Jamaicans yeah, show up yeah. in that that car, and it was like a Cadillac. It was a what? It was gold, I think, wasn't it? It was like a gold Cadillac, yeah. and yeah. you had to have been able to smell that thing from like three blocks away, even in L.A. Right, With and the they're in chat in the window. Yeah, they're they're in the seedy part of L.A. Because one of the trivia pieces they were talking about was the filming in that alley was awful because mm-hmm. it was disgusting. It was nasty. There were people peeing on the walls. They found a dead body, uh, supposedly, oh, really? in there, like amongst all the detritus and all that kind of stuff. But even with all of that going on and the what I can only imagine that has to smell like in the L.A. heat... Um, you probably could smell this damn uh, Cadillac coming from two two blocks away with all the ganja smoke. Uh, and I just love the way that they deliver the... You want some ganja, man? <laughs> and then that laugh. That laugh, I, I always yeah. capture laughs, but that is so good. Just... <laughs> and I'll keep that forever. Oh... Uh, Good, good, good stuff. Uh, let's see. Oh, this this was the first. Um, no, I know it's only the second movie, but it's one of the few times where they actually call the alien by the word predator. Because hmm. they never okay. say that at all in the first movie. 
Um, right. And right. in fact, the first movie was shot under the name, under the title Hunter. And it was changed okay. to Predator later on. But I think there's only one other movie that they do it in. And I want to say it's one of the Alien versus Predator movies, either the first or, or Requiem, where they call them a Predator. Um, before, I think, The Predator. But, uh, but Gary Busey right. actually says it, where he says, Well, we prepared a little trap for this Predator. I was like, ooh, he said it. Roll, roll, oh, roll credits. <laughs> and I'm, I, I don't care. I'm convinced that this is a Gary Busey ad lib. Is this one? He's on safari. Lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my. Because the way he says, oh my, at the end of it, I'm like, that was not written in yep. the script. That was a Busey. 100% yeah. Busey right there. Um, uh, I. I watched a behind the scenes video of them on Busey on the set and he's just talking to the camera and it seems like he's trying to describe the movie and he just goes off for like two minutes and we're going to, we're going to hunt this thing. And if, if we, you know, we're going to, we're going to sit this thing down. He has, he's te got technology from another realm and we're going to sit him down. We're going to talk to him about it. We ask him where he got his technology. And it was just like two minutes of this whole thing. And if we're not going to do it, you know, if, he, if we fail to do this, he will turn us into, he will, he will atomize our bodies. And it's just like this whole thing. It's just like, Oh yeah, I forgot Gary Busey. No, oh, yeah, that's right. Is. I forgot Gary Busey's a crazy person, and and we're. I, I totally believe that he just ad libbed that, and they're like, "Oh, well, we were rolling, right? Okay, cool. We'll put, <laughs> I, we'll drop that in." I love Gary Busey. I mean, I, I'm I'm a sucker for like Gary Busey or Nick Cage or anybody like that who just just goes for it. Um, there's just oh, something good. about that. Uh, so I, I fully believe that that was, that that was all ad-libbed and that that line, the safari line was ad-libbed. There's another funny moment and it, it's, it's funny now, but it was kind of embarrassing at the time. And it was Ruben Blades on the set, uh, of the movie was giving an interview to Good Morning America. And I tried to find the video of this, but it doesn't exist as far as I can tell. Um, he was giving an interview to Good Morning America when Stephen Hopkins, the director came over basically yelled at him and said, it's time to shoot and got in between him and the camera. And like, you can hear Ruben blade saying, sorry, as they're, as he's like pulling the mic off of him to go back to, to film. And to the point where they actually, uh, and, and it was live on good morning America. Right. And so Joan London, I think was the host at the time. And she's like, well, that, that can happen when we're doing live TV type of thing. And they both had to come back like a couple days later to apologize. Huh. So, like, stories like that crack me up, too. Uh, just one more good one, though. Gotta gotta give this line uh, its credit, because I've played clips, and I haven't played anything Bill Paxson yet. Right. But if you're, gonna, if you're gonna pick a Bill Paxson line from this, can you really do better than... Okay, everybody, just take a deep breath. Loosen your sphincters. Just, just take a deep breath and loosen your sphincters. Oh, Bill. I, mi I miss Bill Paxson. Yes, yeah, he that, that was too gone too much too soon. He too. he was just there's nobody like him. Yeah, and that distinction you mentioned he's the he's one of only two actors to get killed by an alien, a Terminator, and a Predator. The other one being Who's Lance he? Lance Henriksen. Oh right, right, of course, yeah. Because again, if you're going to have your sci-fi fantasy movies you're, you're going to have Lance Henriksen in there somewhere. Like he's going to show up in your franchise at some point. 
Right, right. If, if you have a sci-fi or horror franchise and there is more than three installments, Lance Henriksen is in one of them. One I, of them I, I, I'm pretty sure it's a rule in Hollywood. But uh, this this is a fun movie. I'm glad that you got to see it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I, I'm glad. I, I actually took the time to sit down and because I just kind of wrote it off of like, oh, uh, yeah, it's that other one, and it's it's uh, whatever. I, it's you know it's probably not going to be great so i'm just going to not even bother to do anything with it and i'm glad i got i actually sat down and watched it and it was it was fun it was a good little ride yeah i mean it's not perfect it's got its flaws but again yeah. it's a yeah. it's a late 80s early 90s kind of sci-fi b movie if you think of it in that way which is really what predator was too right in a lot of ways yeah. um it, but if you think of it that and you don't try to compare it to predator it's really good. It's it's a ton of mm-hmm. fun, and it's certainly better than a lot of stuff that came out at the time that this was. I mean, I would take this over, um, like Cyborg with uh, Van Dam, um, okay. which is around uh, the same time. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of those kinds of movies that that this could be lumped into, and I think it's better than a lot of those. Uh, I think it's kind of kind of rises above that. So, you know, it's it, it's unfairly looked at as a bad sequel and and kind of written off. Um, and I just, I think if you have the, the opportunity to watch it and I want to say it's, it's streaming on one of the free services with ads like 2B TV or, or one of those, um, it's worth checking out. It's not a, it's not a bad, uh, bad little romp. It's a fun, it's bloody, it's, it's gory and mm-hmm. there is some, uh, nudity as well. Um, yeah, I yeah. remember though, and, and it could just be me misremembering, but I remember, the shots of the guy hanging upside down um, when they go to find him. Uh, and they have like the one guy that was, cause that was another scene. Um, I mentioned the, the Busey scene uh, death as one that had gotten it uh, an NC 17 and they had to cut it way down. I guess the original way that they did the whole voodoo ritual scene was much worse. Um, and they oh, cut sure. that, that way that down. Gives that gives you a lot of room to, to go really gory with yeah. when you're doing a voodoo. But I also remember that scene for some reason uh, in the aftermath of it when it's just the body hanging there and he's dead of it being yeah. like framed where it was full frontal manween hanging there as well. Um, mm. And they kind of the way that it was framed when I was when I was watching it anyway, it was cropped right at that point where it's like there's no doubt this guy's naked hanging from the ceiling, but you don't actually see right. it. And for some reason. So, you know, be prepared for that. But like if you've seen Predator, you're already prepared for a lot of what you're going to, you're not going to see anything new here. Yeah. Skinless, skinless humans hanging upside down. That's still like, just, just, just creepy to, to think about anytime. Um, but yeah, that was, it's a fun movie. I'm, I'm, I, I really recommend it to people that, that like the genre. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously. Well, Tyler, thank you for being here this week. This was fun. It's been too long since you've been on. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Um, what have you got going on recently? What are, what are you working on? Uh, so, I mean, if you want to check, if you uh, want to check out more stuff that I'm involved with, uh, I'm, uh, my co-host, a podcast called the, the discographers. Uh, basically my buddy is a former music teacher. Uh, I kind of like telling the, the history side of an artist. And so what we'll do is we'll pick a band and we will, uh, kind of tell the story. We'll, we'll basically start at the beginning of that artist's, uh, discography start with the first album do an episode on that and i'll kind of tell the history of how the you know how how the band made that first album came you know the formation come together 
my buddy will break down the music theory side of everything to kind of talk about why, you know, there's some of the cool little tricks that they do that your brain may not pick up consciously and go, hey, this is, you know, this is why this 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 album was really, you know, it was, catches your ear and is really fun. And we'll just work our way through and kind of we'll tell the story of the the band and, uh, you know, kind of give our thoughts. And, you know, we'll, hope, we'll hopefully kind of hit some of the Predator 2 type albums in, in a band's history where we go, hey, a lot of people hated it. But actually, if you sit down and yeah, it's not as great as their their first big album, but the second album was actually pretty good. And here here are the reasons why. And, you know, it's kind of an overlooked gem. Uh, so if you want to check that out, uh, we're the discographers, uh, go to discogapod.com and that's our website where you can check out all of our episodes. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so I record this show live, um, at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. You can come hang out in the chat room like Phelan and Ace, uh, Tigris and Danny Orr is in there tonight. Um, and uh, then the show is released on Wednesdays anywhere you get podcasts or you can easily find it at tvstravis.com because I gave it a name that with punctuation and things. It was kind of dumb at the time. But now I'm 160 episodes in. I can't change it. So, um, But tvstravis.com. Well, That's yeah, true. You make up work on discographers. <laughs> Fair. Pull other you are. Um, that is, that is very true. I also have a new show starting up and, uh, our, our first official episode will be happening soon called those were the days. Uh, and it is, uh, a look back at classic TV through a modern lens with nostalgic eyes. So, uh, check that out as well. Um, yeah, this show comes out as a podcast on Wednesdays and, uh, next week I am talking with, uh, Dan, the geek jock, and we are going to talk about, I'm going to finally watch, pull off my list of shame, Bull Durham. Never seen Bull Durham. I know of I've it. Never seen I've, it. And the thing is, is I am a massive baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball, but for some reason, I never saw Bull Durham. Um, just about any other baseball movie, I think, other than maybe Eight Men Out, I've seen. But for some reason, that one just missed me. So we're gonna watch that next week. That's gonna be a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, uh, and uh, so join me next week for that. And uh, until then. Just remember to enjoy your movies. And Tyler, thank you so much for being here this week. This has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>